Hello, and welcome to Media Mavens. This is episode 61. I'm Pam, and with me, as always, is Riley. Hello. Hey, Riley, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. <laughs> had a lot had, going on. Yeah, I've had a super busy week. <laughs> Do you want to share your news um yeah <laughs> yeah sure i mean okay. well i can also do it during the other the what we've okay. been up to part we can sure yeah. okay <laughs> we can wait for them uh so we have a returning guest this um episode i think it's her fifth appearance on the show Ooh. so like series regular special <laughs> guest star dialacina hi hi thank hi. you for having me thank you for coming on you've been Again. doing some Exciting stuff lately. Yeah, now you're like Heather Locklear on Melrose Place. Just like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Dia, tell people about yourself in case they've missed the other four episodes that you've been on. Um, Well, let's see. Um, I am. I'm I'm a cranky games critic. Uh And um, I spend most of my time on Twitter. But when I'm not doing that, I'm writing for Waypoint. And now I am editor-in-chief of my own gaming journal. Yes, very (laughs) exciting. We're going to be talking a little bit more about that in our second segment. Um, And since you were last on, you are also a podcast host. I am. Oh, yeah, I completely forgot. Yeah, I am also (laughs) a co-host of Game Bar, D-A-Y-M-E Bar, um, which is a bunch of queers sitting around talking about video games and being real salty. Mm Mm-hmm. It is a good time. And everyone knows so much about games. Like, you're just like, everyone's just pulling out these references from all over the place. It's like, wow, it's it's impressive. It's weird being the youngest in the room, too, on Mm. that one. Because I'm like, now I'm just kind of looking around. I'm like, like, wait, am I older than all of you except for like Nico? It's (laughs) like, yeah. (laughs) But then on Game Bar, I get to be we won that's I'm like what game are you talking about I don't know (laughs) all right so we will start out as usual with just what we've been up to lately uh so Dia what have you been spending your time on when I'm not working on capsule crit I have been methodically playing Dark Souls remastered Mm -hmm. because it's finally on the PlayStation 4 Mm -hmm. which means I, who does not have the good computers, um, can play and take screenshots. So I have been just exhaustively photographing <laughs> Dark Souls, which like I've been like the other day I was just thinking about it, I was like going through it and I'm just like, you know, this is really kind of like my like closing this door, turning off the lights and closing the door on Dark Souls because it has occupied so much of my my brain space for so long. And this is good, and we're going to end up with this giant body of game photography when we're done, and that's kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you think you're going to do anything with that body of photography? I, I, I've been like, you know, it's weird because, okay, so like Dark Souls, um, owned by Bandai Namco, mm-hmm. um, who aren't exactly the friendliest mm. about um, sharing the medias often. Um, Dark Souls is surprising in that it doesn't put a watermark on all of your photos and it doesn't lock you out from taking screenshots every, like, five seconds. Mm -hmm. 
And actually, I should say that a lot of Japanese developer uh, companies really want to retain their IP. Mm-hmm. Right? So, mm-hmm. And I find it's especially but, bad on the PlayStation. Yeah, it's super bad on the PlayStation because I think like it's probably just like they're like, no, Sony, you locked this out. Mm-hmm. And, um, but uh, what oh, um, yeah. So uh, it's been it's been kind of just going through and just like finding every zone and seeing it like very up close and in different ways, and then pulling them out and um, just having that share button just makes it so much easier in a game that doesn't have a photo mode. Mm-hmm. Um, because the thing you have to do is you have to go into the menu every time and turn the HUD off, which right. playing with the HUD off, I found um, a couple of times is absolutely nerve-wracking. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's no there's no information about which item you have up, there's no health bar, there's no stamina meter, there's nothing. It's just like, okay, I just have to just do this on raw instinct. And um, more than a couple of times, I have forgotten to turn my HUD off. Because I just like wasn't I was just like I'm fine like we're cool we're just going and I'm like wait a minute oh shit mm-hmm. why is why can I target anything why can't I see my health what's going on I'm <laughs> not off. shit 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 I've got thirty six thousand souls I'm gonna lose it. Mm-hmm. oh okay I made it I did it <laughs> and yeah like I actually ended up I fought there's like one big boss that like everyone kind of gets a stumbling block on it's called the Taurus demon mm-hmm. Taurus demon yeah Taurus demon. Um, it's like kind of one of the big kind of roadblocks. And I remember the first time I went in and I was just like, oh, forgot to turn my hut off. And now we're dead. <laughs> Seconds. Um, because I still had my binoculars out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, which is what I used for the, the photo mode because then you can pan and get out of your character screen. So mm. I was just like, okay, binoculars. And I was just like, oh, shit, where's my health? I just, if I just get over here, I can heal and then I can... Maybe get my way through this, and I was like, "Oh shit!" So then I just cheesed him by throwing firebombs over the wall. Huh? Are binoculars something that's always been in the game? Like, does it have a purpose outside of photography? You, uh, um, I don't actually. Um, having not played a caster in Dark Souls One, I don't know um, if you can target with them or not. But I know in Dark Souls Two, um, you actually can use them as like a scope. If you're uh-huh. using like spells and you can just be like, all right, I'm going to aim and just like, and just snipe people with your soul arrows. But I use it to like, you can angle and like, if you're like, okay, I need to throw it here. And then like, okay, then it went over. But like, um, because for a 3D game, Dark Souls has very strange ways of making you feel about being in a three dimensional space. So pivoting your camera when you're not with the um, in binocular mode. And be very hit or miss. Like you could be like, oh, no, I'm totally lined up. Like my shoulder is like right in line with that dude's head. I'm just gonna throw my lightning bolt. Why did it go behind me? <laughs> like there's some really wonky 3D stuff going on in Dark Souls, which I appreciate because I like janky games. But um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, the binoculars do help at least just like initially positioning um, your aim. Right. Okay. But you can also just see stuff from far away, or you can see stuff real up close. It's cool. Cool. You can get inside people's helmets with them. Like, if you stand real close to them at, like, a certain angle, and then you, like, zoom in with the binoculars, and you can go, you can clip through their helmets mm-hmm. and see that they have faces. Oh. <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit, you got a head under there. And it's, like, actually, like, a lot of the characters have, like, no, this is actually this character's, like, face. Like, it's not just generic. Um, oh. Yeah. 
That's interesting. You'd think that if a character had a helmet on, they would not bother with that bit. No, nope. it's just one of those weird little attention to details. Or they're like, well, we should have them without a helmet because they might take it off. It's like, you never hmm. take helmets. You guys never change your outfits in this game. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds cool. I. It's too bad they don't put an actual photo mode in things. Mm. Although I rarely take the time to use photo modes. I just take screenshots because I'm lazy. <laughs> and if I do use photo modes, I make sure to make the most obnoxious lens flary <laughs> tackily bordered photos that i can I def- make <laughs> i've definitely done that with no man's sky when like they gave me the photo mode options and i'm just like i'm gonna be obnoxious <laughs> i'm gonna go through all through dark souls and then i'm gonna go and i also want to go i'm doing a thing on near because near doesn't have a photo mode even though really should and there's like a very easy way for them to have kind of worked it into the game honestly but um they didn't and that's fine but um i'm doing kind of uh, a thesis on about constraint and and near automata. Oh. So, I've been doing photo mode with that too to take breaks when I get like frustrated and plunking my way through Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, photo mode would be cool in near automata because that game's so pretty. Although it's also I like how sometimes, as you said, it is constrained. Like the camera seems to do like meaningful things with how like sometimes you can control it and sometimes you can't so yeah it's also like it's interesting because like with that i can't like i can't if i want to get if i don't want to be uh, to be in the shot i have to go through some gymnastics and then like <laughs> part of part of her will show up in the camera anyway like i'll like move it like i'll get it just right and like because she cannot stand still um I'll like take the screenshot and I'll be like, oh, your arm just kind of went up into the side and now there's like a thumb and like an <laughs> elbow. Going, okay, how did you even do that? <laughs> but yeah, so it's, um, but it, it ends up being interesting. I'm kind of like, no, there actually is a sense of like this character being in these photos now, not just kind of like, here's a floating isolated image. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dark Souls, I'm just doing the exact opposite. I'm just going really hardcore. The gritty, high contrast black and white that is my thing. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Riley, what have you been up to <laughs> since we last recorded? Uh, well, um, I had like pretty a pretty roller coastery uh week. Mm. Uh, my mm. grandfather is really sick, so. I have that going on, and then I actually had to put my dog down on Sunday. And then uh, I've been waiting since February (laughs) to hear whether or not I'm going to be teaching in Korea this fall. Um, And finally, on Monday, I heard that I got accepted to uh, Gangwon province in Korea, which is in the north, uh, northeast of of the country so i am going to korea <laughs> in a month <laughs> yay. Uh, and i'll be teaching english there for a year yay that's awesome congratulations <laughs> congratulations that's so fun uh, so, so glad everything worked out oh gosh yeah and then um because of that um i've been like getting together uh, documents and stuff that I need for traveling. Like I applied for my visa 
yesterday. Um, I bought a flight <laughs> yesterday, which uh, was a lot of money. <laughs> it made me really anxious to purchase. Um, and I also bought a camera this morning. So oh, you did? I hey. did. Yeah, I got the M10, the Canon M10. Nice. Um, Hope you like. It. Yeah, it's like I haven't. I'm like afraid to like turn it on and do stuff with it, but that's why I bought it. So I need to like get over it. <laughs> um, so I haven't like had a lot of time to actually like, you know, watch or play stuff. And then uh, my G drive on my computer, where all of my games and stuff are, uh, just totally shit to bed. So. Oh no! <laughs> I yeah, <laughs> I have no idea what's going on with it. Um, so I'm doing this off of my SSD, and hopefully everything is okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've uh, I've had an interesting and busy week, and the next month is just gonna be like running around trying to get the last couple things sorted out. Um, because I feel like I've been like in the starting blocks for forever, waiting to do stuff, and now that I can finally get started it's like oh god i have so much shit i have to do and only a month <laughs> yeah uh i quit my job this week too so i have my last days <laughs> on the second so oh nice I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> well it's good that you've got a couple i guess two weeks then between that and leaving yeah yeah i'll have some time to like just do whatever i need to do like i have the uh, like a bunch of shit <laughs> that, I have, that I have to do, and I'm hoping that like the two weeks will be enough. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm sure you'll get everything, everything done. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Vote of confidence. Yay! You can do it. I'll try my best. <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't know. I have two things that I've that I've watched. I can I can <laughs> wait if you want to swing around. <laughs> uh, sure. I've got a few more, so I'll I'll go next. All right. Um, I have been trying to play some of my PSVR games that have been sitting unplayed for a little while. <laughs> uh, so the first game I played was Moss, which uh, Sarah actually sent to me, which was very nice of her. Um, it's this game where you start off and you're like in this big hall. It's kind of like a library. And you look down and there's like this book on your lap and you go through the pages and you hear about this story of this character named quill and how she has to go and fight this like big fire snake that's causing havoc in her world so you're playing you're controlling quill who's a mouse but you're also like this big sort of like omniscient being who can also sort of manipulate the environment in some ways and it's so adorable like the mouse will come out and she'll be on the screen and she'll like if you're idle for a while, she'll just like look up at you with her adorable little mouse face <laughs> and it's like, oh. <laughs> so it's it's cute. It's like a kind of like a puzzle platformer. Um, and I like that the VR isn't too um, like it's not too much. Like it, you know, you can see things in sort of 
three dimensions, but there's not a ton of like moving the camera around or having to look around. Um, you can just use a regular controller to play rather than like having to flail around with move controllers or anything. So it's the kind of VR game that I like because I don't want to stand up. I don't want to move. I want to play it like a regular video game. <laughs> um occasionally like there's little walls that she'll go behind so like i'll be trying to like peek my head over the walls and it's kind of (laughs) it's kind of fun so it's really it's really cute so far and uh, there's a lot of little collectibles there's some combat um i'm really liking that one and then uh, another one that i picked up a while back is called loading human and it's like a sci-fi thing and from the back of the box description i was like oh this is like vr mass effect it was like build relationships have romances be in space and i was like oh awesome but so far from the beginning it's just like your typical first person narrative exploration game where Mm. you like get some voiceover from a computer and it's not super fun so far. The controls aren't fantastic and it's also the first VR game I've played that's made me motion sick. Um, I played it for about 20 minutes and felt sick the whole time and then after I took the helmet off I continued to feel sick for like another 20 minutes so now I'm like I don't know if I want to if I want to play any more of this. So yeah, I'm kind of disappointed in that one. Like, it's not what I was expecting. The protagonist na- protagonist name was Prometheus, which I was like, Ugh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and I think you he's, know. Mm-hmm, it seems like his um his partner is like in in some kind of stasis, and he's looking for some kind of cure for her in his ship. But it's just not super. That's super interesting, and it doesn't really play very well at all, so that one might might get abandoned soon. Well, actually, might get abandoned now. <laughs> actually, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know Moss had come out. I didn't think I... Like, there was so much buildup for it, and I got real disappointed. I was like, oh, it's a VR only. Yeah, I did the same doing thing. VR, and then, like, it just kind of... I didn't even know it was existing still. Well, I thought that it just came out, but it mm. actually released at the end of February. What? Whoa. Yeah. Holy I shit. Didn't, I didn't hear anything about it because it just got, like, it, re- it released digitally in February and it just got a physical release, um, uh, I think, in maybe June or something, uh, May or June. So, yeah, because I had heard about it and I was like, oh, that looks super cute, but then I never really heard about it it actually mm-hmm. releasing until Sarah was like, would you play this game? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. They, I, I, I don't know where the ball got dropped there. Cause I definitely heard about it before it came out. So, mm-hmm. and is it, I wonder if they're going to change it. Cause there was another VR game I played called invisible hours, which was kind of like a, almost felt like an interactive play and not long after i started playing it they released a patch where you could just play it in non-vr so i hope they do because i want to play it but no i'm not not strapping a vr headset to my head Mm -hmm. ever again (laughs) 
Yeah, it's not. I don't really like this headset. The I can never get it quite in focus, and it's just uncomfortable. And especially in the summer, like it's really hot. So it's definitely a big barrier to me actually playing these VR games. Hmm. Uh, yeah. What else have you been up to? Um, I have actually. Um, I know what I wrote down, but actually I need to change that because that that went to the completely wayside because I have been being made to watch a show called Corner Gas. Oh, oh that's which, Canadian. Godspeed, yeah. because holy <laughs> fuck. <laughs> terrible. And you know, see, I've been loving the shit out of really? it. Really? Oh, it's so hard Well, it's so funny because um, it, it reminds me a lot of um, Delaware, um, mm. which is where my partner it's very much like rural Delaware when I got there the first thing I said was like it's so flat <laughs> I thought you're coastal town but it's so flat um and also like everything every like every archetype in that I'm just like oh my god this maps so perfectly onto my experience here um but I'm just yeah no I've I've really been enjoying like we watched the first four episodes like back to back and I was like holy shit, this is actually very, very funny and clever in ways that American television is still desperately trying to grasp at. <laughs> um, but it's very dry. Um, but also, there's at least two First Nations actors in it, which that's like 200% more than any television show <laughs> like in America <laughs> since... Like, Northern Exposure. Like, <laughs> we don't get shows with natives in them here. So um, it's worth it for that for me. Mm. Huh. Yeah. Oh, but I found out the, like, now that it's an animated series of it, yeah. too. I, I, like, what? Okay. <laughs> Apparently there was a movie. Really? What? In 2014. I just looked up Corner Gas on IMDb. Corner Gas the movie. Huh. I had no idea they did a movie. Me neither. Hmm. Wild. <laughs> I, uh, so what's the, I don't think I've ever seen it. It's just a gas station in the middle of a Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Yeah. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's 60 kilometers from, from anything. Um, and yeah, and it's just kind of like, there's be like six characters in the whole thing. And it's just, just their their lives uh, centering around this one gas station. It's huh. very, it's very like your typical like Canadian content, right? Which like <laughs> I are Canadian content. I'm like, eh, I don't know, <laughs> take it or leave it. Like Murdoch Mysteries, like that kind of that's one of them on hmm. like CBC. I think they do. I think they're all on CPC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just... Eh, take it or leave it for me. But, you know, I'm glad that you like it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's funny because like, I was like... He, my partner, she, he's like, yeah, you know, you, we can, we don't have to do this, but you should try it. I'm just like, I'm like no, no, this is... This is... Yeah, this speaks to my experiences um, very, very, you know, directly. Um <laughs> Huh. Especially awesome. like with like 
the one character, I guess Lacey, mm-hmm. um, she comes into town um, and you know, she's she's from the city. And so <laughs> she's like, what do, you, what do you mean I have to give you free coffee? <laughs> like, I'm not giving you free coffee. I have to pay for coffee. So you have to pay me for coffee. And the whole town, like, you know, flips out and the... Uh, Lauren Cardinal, the the local op- police officer, just starts just ticketing everyone because he's not getting his fucking free coffee from the <laughs> diner. And I'm like, yeah, that's the shit that would happen in Lower Delaware. Huh. It's relatable yeah. if you've lived in a small town, for sure. All right. Uh, Riley, what have you been... What is one <laughs> of the two things that you've done? <laughs> uh, I watched John Wick. Oh, yeah. The oh, first yeah. one. Yay. So finally, I watched it. Uh, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um, yeah, I like had pretty much heard like everything that there was to hear about it. So I knew like stuff that was going to happen. But still, the the fight choreography like blew so my <laughs> mind. Yeah, I was like, holy shit. Like, <sighs> and then I had heard that. Keanu Reeves like did all of his own stunt work for that mm-hmm. um and like before I saw the movie I saw like a video of him like behind the scenes like on the, like a training range like doing the choreography so I've seen like that but not the actual movie so <laughs> it was kind of neat to be like oh I've seen that fight scene but when he was doing like on a training range I've seen it um yeah it was really cool i want to know more about like the underground assassin ring that's like going on i want to know everything there is to know about (laughs) like Mm -hmm. the secret coins like i want i want more yeah i love how they just like drop these little tidbits that like give it such good world building that you don't generally get in action movies but like it doesn't really tell you um everything or really uh, doesn't tell you a lot just like enough to make it super interesting yeah like it just drops you in the world and gives you all of like the information that you would have if you were actually in it without Mm -hmm. you know expecting that you know anything which i thought was really cool because it was like oh neat and it makes you want (laughs) to learn more about it so yeah it's it's nice because it doesn't give you like you know in your your standard movie, there would have to be some other character that comes along, yeah. so that John Wick can explain. Oh, the coins are this way because we did this. And yeah. it's like we don't need this. All these characters know, so we just accept it. Mm-hmm. And it's much better when you just let the audience just to fucking accept the world you created. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, it was really good. Like, you don't feel like you're being you know, talked down to by that secondary character because it's like, oh, okay, cool. You just, you know, they just give it to you and that's, it's good. I want more movies like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, I recommend the second one as well. It's also really good and very visually exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, before I even saw that you had put this on the sheet, I had just watched the movies with Mikey about, John Wick. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was a really good episode too, sort of about the themes and like they had, or I think so, it was actually someone else that did it, but he talked about someone sort of comparing all of the Assassin League to like Greek mythology oh. figures. Um, I don't necessarily agree with all the ones that they like who they said everyone is, but it was kind of a neat way of looking at it. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, 
those are always good videos though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I need to watch the first John Wick again. I haven't, I haven't seen it since it came out. Oh, I just saw it a couple of months ago. It was on Netflix, so. Yeah, that's actually, I think we rented it through iTunes. My mom rented it, so. Hmm. She's like, I've seen it, but I'll I'll rent it again. <laughs> like, okay. It's so funny because like I just like had this like habit of just seeing like I'm like I want to go see the bad Keanu movie. I'm just like I just enjoy <laughs> these like. I, I like Keanu watched, Reeves a lot. So. I watched the really 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 terrible one where he was his version of the Last Samurai. Oh. Um, <laughs> that was just god awful. Oh yeah, that was fairly recent, wasn't it? I think so. Is it? I think so. But um, that was that was terrible. And I would see that. But then when I went out to see like seeing John Wick, I was just like, okay, this is gonna be trash. It's gonna be great. And I, I'm like, hey, dude, that was kind of really well made. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is actually compelling. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was really good. And one of the things that I learned from the movies with Mikey is that um, the director has been Keanu Reeves' stuntman since, like, The Matrix. Whoa. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, like, he didn't have to do the stunts for him in this because well, he was directing <laughs> yeah. and Keanu did all of his own stuff. But, like, I thought that was that was really interesting. And it's also the whole concept of having a stunt person as the director. Like, that's probably where a lot of the awesome mm-hmm. fight choreography and stuff came from. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I've been playing one other game after a extremely long six-year wait. <laughs> um, a game I backed on Kickstarter just came out. It's Hero U Rogue to Redemption, which is by Lorianne and Corey Cole, who uh, worked for Sierra. They made the um, the Quest for Glory series. So this was like a spiritual successor to those. Um, and it, it finally came out. The process was long and arduous. It when did you back it? Six years ago. Oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah. I was listening. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Oh, um, they did it. They did a Kickstarter, and then like a year later, they did a second Kickstarter, and I was like, Nah, mm. I gave you my money once. I'm I'm good. Like, <laughs> so um, it finally came out. I think I must have missed, or maybe I just forgot because it's been six years, that they pitched it as, like, a combination of Quest for Glory and Persona, Interesting. which I don't like, <laughs> the Persona <laughs> bit of it. Uh, so you play this guy who gets caught stealing, and he goes to this sort of, like, hero academy, and he gets <coughs> put in the disbarred bards class, which are basically thieves and uh so every it's like a day cycle where you go to class and then after class you can like make relationships with your classmates or you can practice your skills and you can do that stuff and it's okay so far like it's full of puns and i like some of the things that happen it's just happening very very slowly for my tastes like it gets a little repetitive i feel like the story beats could come in at a bit of a faster clip uh, than they are right now. And then my biggest problem is just that, like, all these um, previously 2D adventure games that are getting remade are going 3D for some reason. 
but they don't really have the resources to do it. Like when they did the Gabriel Knight remaster or Jane Jensen did another one called Mobius. Um, and they all have like terrible animations, like just terrible animations. Like they're, oh, they just look so, so bad. And the movement speed is so slow. And it's just like, oh, why do you do this? Like the backgrounds are all just like hand painted backgrounds, but then they like plop these ugly ugly 3d models into them (laughs) so yeah it's uh i don't know yeah i wish it was a little bit faster i'm you know happy that it's finally come out i actually have a code that i should probably give away for it (laughs) at one point (laughs) um but um yeah it's it's a little bit rough but i'm sort of making my way through it Dia, did you play the Quest for Glory games? Oh, God, I played the shit out of the Quest for Glory <laughs> series. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, like, I. it's funny because I really, really loved those games. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I think of it, it's funny because, like, that they build it as, like, you know, or, like, it's kind of influenced by Persona because I'm just, like, it kind of always sort of had that weird time management built mm-hmm. into it yeah um i remember only a f- only a few of the games i think had like an actual like kind of like no no the day progression matters because the end of the world is gonna happen I think two and like four i don't think one did one i think you could just do whatever you wanted and just day night progress yeah um, i think three did three like had events that would happen yeah but I mean, they all like they like there were things like you could you could miss like this dude's gonna be here on like Thursday and mm-hmm. you need to go see him if you want you know to learn spells from him or whatever mm-hmm. to pick up his quest. Um, and I did like that, um, but hmm, no, I hadn't even heard that uh, the Coles were doing anything again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Six years ago, I don't even know what I was doing. Six years ago, <laughs> six years ago is when I was doing all my Kickstarter backing, and now I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I graduated university six years ago. Wow, <laughs> I did not. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Dia, what else for you? Um, that's really been it. I think. Like, I mean. Well, the other thing is, um, we did start uh, watching um, a show because my partner and I had been watching uh, The X-Files. She had never kind of seen it in chronology. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we, we watched this. And then we got to the point where um, the kind of spin-off, not really, the other Chris Carter show um, that for some reason shares the same universe as The X-Files, Millennium. Mm. Which is basically Chris Carter liked Seven a whole lot and thought, you know, Seven was great, but what if Seven was about a vaguely psychic detective and a shadowy conspiracy organization? Huh. (laughs) And so it's like this kind of just, you know, it's so very 90s. Oh, God. Um, Like, I think the pilot opens with a guy who's like, a serial killer in Seattle who's murdering sex workers. Um, and so we have to go through, we have to go to the the peep show where he, he picks out his victims 
And the whole thing is set to like, there's like a strip sequence intercut with like these like visions of hell um, <laughs> set to Nine Inch Nails. And it's just like, yeah, this was made in like 1997, all right? Um, it's very ridiculous. And um, it stars Lance Henriksen of Aliens and Terminator and various mm-hmm. other movies and video game fame. If you, mm-hmm. I think it's like what Call of Duty. Yeah, and he was just in Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I and forgot. he's also Admiral Hackett in uh, Mass Effect. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he's a psychic detective with you know a wife and child, and he's trying to get out of his horrific life um, as a criminal profiler because he got inside the minds of these killers, and oh, no. it oh, made no. him grumpy and weird. <laughs> And um, but he keeps getting pulled back in, you know. He keeps they keep pulling him back, uh, and it's just it's just so ridiculous. So like we've been watching it, and it's so hard not to just riff track the whole thing. <laughs> like whatever was like we, like we started like I don't even remember what his actual na- character's name is anymore because we just keep calling him Frank Millennium. <laughs> and so whatever he's just like I'm I'm Frank Millennium. That's my name. No, you call me Frank Millennium. Um. But yeah, it's it's very very silly and very just overly atmospheric in a way that kind of the early seasons of the X Files really leaned into because um, mm-hmm. you can tell it's like no, we're not really sure, we're not really going to give you the budget, so you're going to have to just drench this in like shadow and fog machine and <laughs> like really maximize like shooting in and around Vancouver because it's still kind of cheap at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> It's very, very silly, but um, surprisingly, like, enjoyable, too. And, like, they, they the episodes get weird. Like, they've actually had some kind of just very strange episodes. And it's kind of like, wow, I don't... Like, I watched it when it came out, but... God, that was, like, 23 years ago at this point. I don't even remember how long ago it was. I was we, and I watched the whole thing uh, as it aired... And so, like, I didn't remember, like, half of it. I was just like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but it's very clearly informed by um, David Fincher's rise to fame. Mm. In, like, just a very major way. But it still retains that, like, Chris Carter bullshit mm-hmm. <laughs> that made The X-Files so appealing when it did Monster of the Weeks. Mm. Right. And is it, um, is it more, like, monster serial killer of the week or is there like a well it's big... it's it does a really it actually i think it one thing it does is it does a very good balance of um it's almost purely uh monster of the week but they weave in the kind of like larger narratives through every ep- episode so one you have to tune in every episode and not mm-hmm. skip the ones that are you don't want to watch <laughs> if you want to get the major overall picture, but um, it also makes it much more manageable rather than here's the random episodes. Like Mulder and Scully went on a beach vacation and there was a swamp (laughs) monster at this beach vacation. And it's like, well now the world is ending because the shadow conspiracy that we completely forgot about apparently a month ago. Um, So it kind of makes a little more sense. There's a little more um, narrative progression, uh, Mm -hmm. but it also means like, okay, what if I, what if I, if I skip this one, am I going to miss some crucial thing that turns everything around? Yeah, maybe. Right. <laughs> I remember being excited about that show. I was like, oh, Chris Carter made another show. Um, 
And then I don't think I ever actually watched it when it was on. I don't know if it was just like on too late or on like the wrong day or something. Um, yeah. It was, I well, I remember when it came out and everyone was like really just kind of like, initially there was a, there was a very dedicated fan base that was super, super hyped for it. And everyone else was just kind of like, why did this happen? <laughs> and I was kind of in those kind of like, I'll watch it because I'm like, 12 or 13, I have nothing better to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up watching it, but it did not, it would never really grab the, the, the public the way right. the X-Files did. Mm-hmm. But really, I mean, like, Lance Hendrickson is such a hard sell as a main character. <laughs> really, like, you know, I have enjoyed him my whole life, but it's just... He's got marionette lines that come out from underneath his eyes. Like, <laughs> like it's just... He's got that weird, like, dyed red hair. It's weird. It's a weird looking dude. It's hard to watch. <sighs> All right. Uh, Riley, what else for you? Okay, the one other thing that I have watched <laughs> is the Jumanji remake. <laughs> How is that? Okay, surprisingly, really good. Hmm. To me, like, if you... So it's like set in present day. So Jumanji, the game is not a board game anymore. It's like a little cartridge that you can stick into this. It looks like, um, like an old, uh, SNES system. <laughs> um, and these four kids who are like super different. Like one is a football jock. One is like a super nerd who like you know writes people's homework for them um (laughs) one of the girls is like super focused on doing well in school and then the other girl is like instagram pro like she takes all these selfies and is like you know all about the social clout um and all four of them end up in detention together and they find this weird uh game and they plug it in because why would you actually do detention when you could play a video game Mm -hmm. um and they all get sucked into Jumanji. Um, and they pick characters on their character select screen. Um, and it doesn't show what the characters look like when they pick them. Um, so the super nerdy kid ends up in the body of The Rock. <laughs> so <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. He's like the main, he's like the party leader, like, you know. Um, and then uh, the Instagram pro ends up in the body of jack black um (laughs) the football jock ends up in kevin hart and then the super nerdy girl ends up in the body of the girl nebula and guardians of the galaxy what's her name i forget Oh, uh, Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor Who, yeah. Um, and uh, each of them have, like, you know, they bring up, like, a stats screen in front of them, and they read through, like, their strengths and weaknesses, um, and one of them is, like, a cartographer, and they're the only person that can read the map, uh, and I thought, like, this to me was, like, the perfect way to do a video game movie when it was about, like, Jumanji. I feel like they could have maybe they had this idea for a video game movie and then they were like, nobody wanted to do it until they were like, let's make it about Jumanji. Because I thought it was like the 
like such a good video game movie like disregarding anything about jumanji at all um because they their map um changes after they get through different areas so at first they start out in one area and the super nerdy kid is like oh this is obviously like level one and then they have like a I don't know, like an arrow on the map that points to their next location. And he's like, okay, so the bazaar is level two. And they're like going through and like doing quest objectives and stuff. And um, they have like lives in the video game so that uh, like when they die, they like disappear or they die in like really horrible ways. And then they fall (laughs) from the sky when they come back to life. Um, I just, I thought it was actually like refreshingly cute. And I was so surprised that it was actually really good. Um, I was laughing and there were like really silly moments, but also like kind of cool, like this would totally happen in a video game, uh, moment. So, um, like one of the characters, like they get angry at each other and they, one of them pushes the other one off a cliff (laughs) because he's like, you have three lives anyway. And like just shoves him over the edge. Um, and he like (laughs) comes back and like lands on the ground. He's like, what the heck did you do that for? Um, (laughs) It's really cute. Um, and like just kind of like the first one, there's someone in like from the past who's stuck in the video game. So they, you know, they find him. He's their fifth party member. And once their party's complete, then they can progress through the next part of the like the map. Um, I just I thought it was so good. And if you're like um, want like, you know, kind of a silly video game movie, it's it's actually not bad. Like I was really impressed with with how it was not as terrible as I thought it was going to be. So give it a shot. It's actually pretty good. Oh, that sounds all right. I like it when they, it seems like most of the best video game movies aren't actually based on a video game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds, it sounds good. I've heard mostly good things about it too yeah it was surprisingly good (laughs) the rock is just pumping those movies out i just i love him (laughs) he's so good i hope he doesn't turn out to be shitty yeah so great i just please don't milkshake duck (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just got the uh the 4k blu-ray of uh rampage in the mail so that's what i'll be watching on sunday (laughs) amazing We can talk about that next episode. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I'll just go through the last couple of things I have quickly. Uh, So since Riley been talking about Sense8 a bunch Mm -hmm. recently, I had started because I had watched season one a while back, like when it first came out, and then I never continued. So I had started watching season two and and then realized like I didn't remember very much about the first season especially around like the bad guys so i went back and i rewatched season one and now i'm about halfway through season two and it's so good it's like one of the most beautiful shows i've ever seen like it's just like everything looks so vibrant and like there's always like these great like scenes it's like fantastic like natural looking lighting and Mm -hmm. um I love Sun. She's my favorite. Anytime she fights someone, I'm ecstatic. (laughs) (laughs) Those are like my favorite parts of the show. And uh, yeah, it's just so, so nice. Like, 
they all just like support each other and it's got like nice messages in it and I just mainly cry a lot <laughs> through the show when I'm not like fist pumping at the fight teens. Same. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I've been really liking season two so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another thing I started watching is The Last Man on Earth, which is a comedy with Will Forte and Kristen Schaal. And it's really hilarious. I heard uh, one of the stars, Cleopatra, oh, I forget her last name, but she was on Switchblade Sisters talking about a movie that she had made. Oh. So I was like, oh, I'll check this um, I'll check this out. And so Will and I started watching it together, and it's hilarious. So Will Forte <laughs> plays what's supposed to be the last man on Earth. There has been a virus, and it has wiped out the entire population in the cleanest viral apocalypse I've ever seen. There's no, like, bodies around. There's no, like, cars crashed on the highway. It's just everything is, like, pristine. At one point in season two, you see bodies, and they're all just, like, neatly all lined up in body bags. And I was like, I don't think... Okay, whatever. <laughs> I guess that's that's not important. Uh, but it's hilarious. So he's been looking for other people, leaving these signs all around, saying that he's alive in Tucson. Why you would choose Tucson as the place to live out the apocalypse and to sustain life is a very interesting question. But so he's like having all these fantasies. Like he's like, I just like really want a woman. Like I really want to find a woman. So he's. Uh, fantasizing about like someone who looks like Alexandra Daddario to be like the woman he comes across but instead he meets Kristen Schaal um, and they uh, decide well she wants to repopulate the species but she wants to get married before she'll do that and oh sort of, sort of just <laughs> they're like so funny together and it sort of goes from there eventually sort of they start finding more people uh, so season one is hilarious. Season two has been a little bit hit or miss for me. Um, once season two rolls around, there's more people in it. And some of the episodes are just very like everyone is just arguing all the time, which mm. is like eh, not not super my thing. But then it'll like throw in a really hilarious episode. So, uh, yeah, it's been it's been really good. <laughs> uh, and then last, I started reading Fortune's Pawn. Yay. Yeah, um, I'm only, I think I'm just a little over halfway through it right now. So I like that it's a very just like rollicking space adventure that I don't have to think too hard about. Like it's mm-hmm. sci-fi without being too too sci-fi where yeah. I have to use my brain. It's just like a nice, a nice summer read. <laughs> um, and I really like the, the protagonist, Debbie. Mm-hmm. Although I could deal with hearing about how amazing her power armor suit is a, a little bit less. <laughs> In a lesser suit, I would have died. It's like, okay, get it. Your suit is good. You have nice armor. I if you got a nice power armor suit, you gotta you gotta let people know. Yeah. Yeah. You paid a lot of money for the suit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's good. And I like like it's got like a little bit of a, a mystery element to it as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been really good so far. Yay. Uh, does anyone have all, anything else they want to talk about before we move on? Nope. No, I'm good. 
All right. So that brings us to our main topic of discussion, which is Capsule Crit, Dia's new gaming outlet. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 I, I am journal. borrowing the model of the, the kind of the literary journal. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's an outlet after a fashion. Um, mm-hmm. It's just so funny how everybody kind of like, we're like outlet vertical journal. Like what, what we've got so many terms and none of them really mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> because it's marketing bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell us, what is Capsule Crit? Capsule Crit is a monthly um, uh, online gaming journal um, where um, people write, uh, in theory, uh, 500 word or less pieces, um, micro genres, um, about kind of whatever games adjacent uh, concept they want. Like, um, whether I, you know, my, my original idea was like, I'm like, you know, reviews and criticism in 500 words or less. That was mm-hmm. my pitch. And um, from there, I was like, you know, it'd be kind of cool if it got like flash fan fiction because. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember, like, when, like, Waypoint did some of their fan fiction pieces. I'm like, these would mm-hmm. be cool, but what if they were, like, flash fiction? That would be mm-hmm. dope. Um, and then it just kind of expanded out from there. As like, I was like, I can basically run this the way a literary journal would. And um, just, like, a literary journal for games. Cool. Let's do it. And <laughs> that is, you know, really the pitch is Games Crit done smaller. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool, because as much as I appreciate sort of like the long form analysis, sometimes it's nice to just have a piece you can just like whip through in a couple minutes. Did you feel like that was sort of missing? Like there wasn't really any room for that kind of bite-sized writing? Well, it's, yeah, like because, I mean, the, my problem, like my problem has always been as a writer, um, if I'm going to pitch somewhere, I need to be able to like, okay, it needs to be you know, kind of either evergreen or au courant. Um, I need to be able to write it in a timely fashion and communicate it as a pitch. But also, I need to be able to pick something that I can write, like, 2,500 words about. Like, the average piece that I end up with is about 2,500 words. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's funny, because whenever I turn in shorter pieces, they always end up at 2,500 words anyway. So (laughs) by the time we get through editing... Shoutouts to Austin Walker for my last piece, um, which was a very, like, I think I turned in, like, a 1,300-word essay about God of War and moms. And then, like, Austin was like, nah, here, 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 here. And I'm like, fuck, but it's so condensed and perfect. And he was like, nah, doc. I'm like, all right. Um, and then it ended up with, like, 2,400 words. But it's a better piece because of it. Because some pieces should be long. And that's the hard part is I, a lot of times the things that interest me are the weird smaller little things that there's no place for. So like you end up just like, okay, well, I'll just tweet about these. But like, you know, you end up with like, well, it's slightly more than one tweet. So you end up at like, you know, a thread and then like no one reads your threads because no one reads threads because they don't click the show more tweets thing. <laughs> and like, also then it's kind of like, you know, Twitter really is just this like rampaging river. So like you, you do it and it's like, well, fuck now it's gone. I have to go track it down if I want to reference it ever. And you know, um, 
so I had all these little tiny pieces floating around in my head and I was just like, God, I saw my partner. I was like, God, I wish there was like just a way to just like, here's my 300 words about the hand clapping in Pascal's theme from near automata <laughs> and how that relates to childhood hand clapping games mm-hmm. and like child development and like the entire theme of Pascal. And I'm like, I don't need, you know, I don't need 3000 words for that. I don't want 3000 mm-hmm. words for that. I could do it in 600. Um, or like, no, the actual, the actual inciting event was, um, Far Cry 5 and me trying to think of a pitch for Far Cry 5 and just coming up with, well, this game doesn't know what it's scared of. <laughs> and Sarah, Sarah is just like, yeah, that's the kind, that's the whole piece. And I'm like, yeah, it really is. <laughs> I kind of wish there was a place where I could just write that and be like, there's your game cred. Um, and then they really encouraged me just to like, you know, because they, uh, working as an editor in literary journals for as long as I've known her. Mm-hmm. So they were like, why don't you just do micro criticism and you could even start like a journal or something. And I was just kind of like, you know, I've been thinking about that because I've been really depressed about wanting to like rate these ideas places, but not having a space. And then it was just like, well, why just my why this be this why just make this for me? I can I know if I'm feeling this way about these small little things that don't have homes, but could like these ideas that need homes. Why not open it up? Like, mm-hmm. and so I spent like <laughs> three months <laughs> hand wringing about it and kind of like taking little stabs at it, and then finally I was just like, fuck it, just pull the trigger and mm-hmm. do it. And Capsule Crit was born. Awesome. I mean, honestly, it's impressive that you did only spent three months hand wringing. Because, like, when I wanted to start a podcast, it was like a year. Like, just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think it was easier. And also, like, I really did, like, you know, the first thing I did was start talking about it publicly. Um, mm-hmm. Or at least started, I started talking about it publicly on my, like, first layer of locked account. Um, and everyone seemed kind of really interested in it. And I was just like, okay. Uh, let's just let's just dip a little more into the water, and like I kind of just slowly kind of kept pushing myself to make me do it, mm-hmm. um, and that actually did help get over the anxiety of oh god, I'm gonna start a thing, and what if it's bad? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I realized I don't care if it's bad because like Ben Kachera has a salaried position. <laughs> Where he writes about my PlayStation 4 controller feels like titties. So anything I do is automatically so much fucking better. Yeah, I'm, I got the salt. I got the salt. It's valid. Uh, So this started off with you sort of wanting to like write smaller pieces, but like in the first episode (laughs) and the first episode, What's the word? Issue. There we go. Um, you, I mean, you wrote the introduction, but it's, you've mostly taken on an editor role. Yeah. Um, that was, that was actually something I was just thinking about the other day was like, um, cause they had like, when I first, when I got it and like, um, you know, I just kind of put out feelers on my lock, on like lock Twitter and uh, just kind of, you know, I had people like, I'm like, I know who follows me. 
I want you to see this. I'm, oh, mm-hmm. I just saw you tweeting now. I'm going to retweet my call for shoves and be coy about it. And then, like, they DM me and be like, hey, this is cool. Can I write? And I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, and because I, I wanted, I I didn't want to just go and just be, like, tapping all of my friends, like, directly and, like, leave someone out or anything like that. But I knew I wanted a smaller, I wanted 10 pieces max. Like, mm-hmm. one, you know, because the thing about, like, every other, like, kind of game site is that they're so maximal because there's infinite space. We can just keep putting shit on the web. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really wanted the idea of, like, no, no, this is a, this is a small, as, as small and physical an object as you could get on the internet. Um, I wanted constraints. Um, and so I figured 10 pieces maximum uh, is a good limit. And, like, uh, like this upcoming issue for number issue number two, I don't think I'm going to have 10 pieces. Um, and I'm totally fine with that. I'm just like, no, this is, that's my limit. Um, and so, but, uh, when I put up my viewers for the, for the launch issue, um, I did, I got so many people, even just among my friends that were just like, Hey, I'll do a piece. I'll do a piece. And I got eight in like rapid fire succession. And then I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to have eight for a launch issue and maybe I'll write something. And um, then I got this, you know, uh, random fl- uh, Night in the Woods uh, fan fiction piece that I'm just like, this is great. And then uh, my partner, Sarah, was just like, uh, if you don't have your 10 yet, I'll write something. And I went out for a walk. And <laughs> like, like 20 minutes later, like I got an email and I was like, oh, what's this? And it's like, oh, you wrote a piece <laughs> and I, I I really don't need to edit much of this at all there's only a few tweaks to make sure it, um which is why it's good to um to um have you know, your partner be an editor because then you don't have to edit their work for them that much mm-hmm. because they do it themselves <laughs> um but yeah and then I had, I had 10 little pieces and I was just like you know 10 was my maximum I'm not gonna I'm not gonna write anything this issue um, and then I was just kind of like, maybe I'll just, maybe I won't, maybe I don't need to put these things here if I can keep doing, you know, other people's interesting ideas and maybe someday I will, maybe I'll start an adjunct blog, but, um, I've just been so busy reading and evaluating all the submissions that like when I do have time to kind of like, you know, if I could sit down and write something, a lot of times I'm like, going to go for a walk and then I'm going to play Dark Souls for 20 minutes and take some photographs because <laughs> my brain is just so full of other people's words now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's still some stuff in there and I might still write you know for like, I've got some things I want to pitch at Waypoint and stuff like that. But yeah, no, it's weird transitioning to be a more editorial role. Um, mm-hmm. Do you plan on ever having like theme issues or do you want it to be more just well form? um i definitely there are definitely kind of like um when i came up with the idea of why can't i just do um, you know doing why can't i put you know uh, flash fan fiction in my piece my original thought was just like what if i just did like you know flash fiction in february and just had like the february of 2019 issue just be fan fiction and then i was like what well, why can't i just put fan fiction in whenever um <laughs> So, There's no rules. 
Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I could just, I could just throw a fucking piece of fan fiction in this first issue if I want to, and that's kind of like one of the things I was really glad um, I got the piece because um, I wanted to kind of give a better sense of the possibilities for the space, just in general. Um, like, I was kind of hoping I'd get like a photo essay or something, but I didn't. Um, but uh, I wanted, I wanted to have a piece of fan fiction up there so that it wasn't just like. Yeah, we also take fan fiction. No, not really. I would be like, no, motherfucker, <laughs> we publish fan fiction. If it's good fan fiction, we will put it up here. Um, and uh, which is to say, I definitely thought of theme issues. I'm probably, um, I don't know how many or how often I'm going to do. Like, I definitely, there are a lot of like kind of, um, for this coming issue, uh, a lot of the pieces have to do with um, boundaries and borders and simulation. And um, so when I was putting it together and kind of s selecting the pieces that I wanted to go with, um, that definitely was in mind, but it wasn't like, hey, this is the call for submissions for our simulation issue. Send us your pieces about simulation. That being said, I probably will. I do, at some point, like, I am hesitant, but I really do want to do an issue about kind of bodies and video games and see what people can, like, come up with that. Um, mm -hmm. My only hesitancy is there is, like, I worry about getting the X character is canon trans. Um, hmm. Or just kind of just, like, you know... Just like you know, there's there's some there's some topics where it's just kind of like okay, this is this is such baseline, well trod, not very. Mm. Kind of, I don't know. Um, those pieces are important, but I don't think they're a right fit for Capsule Crit and what I'm trying to collect there. Um, right. But like, I think there's a lot of interesting things to say about like that. Noah's really said about like Simone from Near Automata, um, and I'm not going to say Automata ever. <laughs> um, like, and the notion of the constructed body and what she does and things like that and gaze. Um, and I think there's there's a lot of interesting things you can say about bitch games um, <laughs> and bodies. Um, but like, I don't want to get pieces about, like, immersion because an embodiment, um, because... Immersion is a dumb, boring, useless term. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we'll probably, we'll probably do some theme issues at some junctures, but generally speaking, I'm kind of, as things come in, putting together um, just a strong issue that at least kind of has some kind of connectivity between the pieces is good, but also it doesn't have to. Um, um, how, uh, I guess, how... Um, how much time does it take to like put something like that together? Is it like an ongoing thing or do you have like, I want to spend five or six hours doing this? Um, well, it's, I mean, that's part of why I'm doing a year zero, um, which is what I've been calling. I was like, I was like, I could wait and like do a big launch. And I'm like, no, we'll just July, we'll just kick it out and tweak from there. Um, so it's definitely, um, you know, uh, it's, 
it takes um I don't know. I spend like a couple hours a day um, reviewing submissions and thinking about them and then thinking about ones that I thought, oh, maybe not. And then I'm like, but maybe. And then, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll get my partner um, you know, to look at them and be like, what do you think? Do you think I can salvage this one? And they'll be like, yes, you can, but you should give that, like, bump, bump that to the next issue because mm. it's going to take you a while. So there's like, um, it's kind of just like, it never stops. It just kind of is always just a background process. And then every now and then it kind of becomes like, okay, now I'm going to sit down and spend an hour or two. Um, and then uh, I've been really lousy about running the Twitter and the <laughs> other social media. And I'm like, do I, should I put it on Tumblr? I don't know. Does anyone use Tumblr anymore? What is, is Tumblr? Um, <laughs> What are the other things? Should I start a Mastodon for it? Like, there's just so much kind of, like, other random bullshit um, mm-hmm. that comes with being, you know, a managing editor position. Mm-hmm. And um, that takes up most of the time. That's not just, like, reading pieces and doing edits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then there's also, the, like, the, you know, the freaking out of, like, oh, God, I have to send out the letters and, oh, and no. but this you know this this like baby 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 queer and uh-uh. I'm gonna hurt their feelings but you know they just they need a couple more like experiences of writing under their belt before they're ready mm. um and that is like the hard thing is that like the thing that takes the most time really is like fretting over the pieces because I don't want to be like, no, it's a free-for-all, like, we'll take, you know, whatever hodgepodge. Um, and there are some ideas that come in, and, like, they're really good pieces, but it's like, no, no, this is the piece that needs to be 2,500 words. Um, and, like, a lot of the submissions I'm getting are, this is this expansive essay that you just took out all the expansiveness of and made it 500 words. Hmm. Um, and that's, like, kind of, like, uh, there are pieces that go over 500 words in the first issue. Um, uh, I think like one of them is even like 800 words. Hmm. Um, but my I, the reason I was like kind of like 500 words and 500 words, 500 words, 500 words, really drilling that home was because I want people to start thinking in terms of smallness of ideas that, you know, these kind of more atomic thoughts, not, you know not the big expansive looking at race in Detroit become human, you know, Mm -hmm. like that is a piece that you need to take time. You need to explore all these various things. You need to do what Yusuf Cole did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And like, uh, but like, you know, uh, I I like really like the Jackson's piece from issue one about snakes, dogs that is exactly kind of like the, the smallness of the idea that fits inside a little gashapon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I want, I want, I want the idea that fits inside the gashapon. Like really that's, that's what I want. Um, and so that's looking at pieces and evaluating is this, you know, a big idea that's being kind of shoved into this small little capsule, or is this the idea that actually fits the capsule um, has been like 
kind of the most time consuming mm. part of mm. it. And that takes it. I mean, like, it, I spend about mm, probably an aggregate like three hours on every piece just because. Um, just thinking about it, honestly, just because I'm like, I, I want to make sure that, you know, this every piece is given a fair shake and um, that, like, I'm making the right choices. I have all sorts of choice paralysis issues. Like so bad. Um, I know eventually that is going to have to speed up. Like I'm going to have to start slashing this down and getting much more just like your fucking manager, just fucking manage. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, so we had a couple listener questions. One from Mr. Perez writes IRL. We've kind of already covered about the idea between the smaller structure, but there's also one from Easy Peasy, which is a name I like. Uh, <laughs> to write smaller articles, is your writing style one that involves preparation than distilling it or more off the cuff? So I know you're not doing as much of the writing, but if if you were. No, um, and that is the thing is um, uh my writing style is actually it's it's really funny because I know people get really sick of my um, my my long dia live tweet play <laughs> experiences, um, particularly the Bloodborne one that people God people were really pissed off about that. Um, but, um, uh, my experiences have really been always been kind of just like write out these small little like snippet impressions. Um, I've always um kind of bulleted out my life um or my thoughts and about games and stuff like that and then had to kind of make sense of them um so it's a little bit of both like i kind of self-edit as i'm writing down these kind of major beats that i want to hit hmm. and then if they need to be filled out to be connected and developed then you fill out um or if not then you just kind of just take those beats and put them together and then you just kind of, you know, file off the rough edges. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes there is planning, um, but a lot of it is just like, I have thoughts in the shower. I have thoughts when I go for walks, you know, and then I kind of try and condense those down in my head. And then a lot of it is filling in kind of off the cuff once I get this, once I get those ideas down on the page and then I kind of just kind of free write to figure out where they need to go and what they need to be saying um and so for smaller pieces it usually is like i have like an initial sentence of like like a little initial thesis and then i'm like okay where do we go from there and then just kind of verbal until it comes out Um, but there's usually not a lot of planning for that um but i think that depends on the writer i know some writers just like they're just going to blather like 3,000 words and then cut it down to the 500 that matter. You know? um, it's interesting. Editing is such hard work, especially editing for length. Um, when I did my video about moms in games, I sent it to Sarah actually to edit and she was like, yeah, there's nothing you can take out of this. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> And that, like, and it's funny because, like, so many people think of editing as just, like, oh, going in and just cutting words and stuff like that. And, like, I've gotten some pieces where I can tell them, like, okay, you you just kind of went in to try and chop words out. Um, and 
like that's like so much more to editing than like mm-hmm. you know like a lot of it is kind of like okay this is you know um one of the pieces I was like this is the idea that you actually are wanting to talk about so right so here's this and these are three other piece parts of this essay that I think work with that now take those little pieces and go write this again <laughs> <laughs> that was actually um uh, m underscore being of abnormal mapping um we we went through so many trying to find out like just figure out just like the the perfect way to get across like what they really wanted to say and i did i was they did a really great job um taking edits that um where i just went through and i'm just like nah just get this <laughs> yeah. and, and like it's you know my my editorial stance has always been um ezra pound editing for wasteland which um if you look at the original manuscript for the wasteland it's just this big sprawling thing and like if you see the manuscript version where um ezra pounds edits there's just like fuck this page fuck this page fuck <laughs> this page fuck this page this line bring it up here <laughs> and it's just like okay yeah you created the poem that like the western canon considers the greatest poem of the 20th century and your edits are very very aggressive mm-hmm. but um like, it's always in service of trying to get to the core of what the writer wants to do and right. how they need to get there. Like, you have to figure that out for each writer. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, and then as far as getting pieces and getting sort of eyes on this, do you have any sort of strategy for that? Have you just been relying on sort of word of mouth through the people who are submitting right now? Yeah, it's just really just, um, I've just been kind of, um, I, I've been giving people a reprieve because I know like the first like two weeks I pushed it really hard and now I'm just kind of like, okay, let's just like, back off a little bit and then we'll push again, you know, closer to the new one. But it's mostly just Twitter. <laughs> yeah. But it, it'd be surprisingly like, you know, um, it really, it really did like people like, you know, um, it up and kind of go with it uh but like yeah so it's it's always refreshing when seeing people just being like yo i wrote this thing and then like when it first came out and like everyone was getting to read their other the other people's pieces in it and they were like oh shit i didn't know you were doing this this is so great i love your piece and like having these conversations with them, just like no your piece was fucking great no, your piece was fucking great <laughs> and it was like really cool and then them sharing each other's work and it was it was awesome and like, i really that like I went from like 250 followers pre-launch to like 640 something just overnight from everyone just tweeting their own pieces out and like nice. being like I wrote this thing and and Jackson wrote this thing and you know, uh, Kevin Snow wrote this thing check them out and it was it was really cool so I'm probably just gonna keep doing that because I really don't have the 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 verb to. <laughs> <laughs> Like basically co like basically solo run this journal and propagate uh, like an actual like marketing campaign. Um, maybe if I was Danica Harrod, I could do that. But <laughs> I'm not. Promoting your own stuff is hard, and it takes it, a lot of work. 
It really does. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know what people want from this. So am I doing gonna... too much? Like, mm-hmm. am I being too aggressive? There's always that. Yeah. Balance. So it's just kind of striking. It is fun writing about myself in, 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 in the, using we. <laughs> the royal we. Because I'm just like, I'm like, we, we've been doing this. And like, I'm just like, well, no, because it's like, it's not just like, I didn't just do this. Me and all these other, you know, collaborators who submitted work they, mm-hmm. they they did this too and you know nico did the fabulous fabulous uh cover art mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. which is so funny because i sent i sent her just like the most bullshit napkins like cocktail napkin sketch and i was just <laughs> like i was like does this help and she's like i got it and then like <laughs> you know like she's like, like a couple of questions later and i was like, Look, I was like, like oh no i'm feeling kind of like a peachy orangey kind of pink mode like you know Let's 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 bring some less masculine colors to um, less masculine air quotes uh, <laughs> colors to to the game space mm-hmm. and and then she came back with this piece and I was just like oh my god you did it like you even got like the kind of like child children's pre like you know adult mouth teeth just kind of barely <laughs> pucking over the like bottom lip and like you know it was it was so good and I was just like I was like so ecstatic. So yeah, it's cool having all of these collaborators, and I'm just like, they like actually seem to believe in what they're doing, and like I'm like that's the coolest thing. The coolest thing you could do is to make a space where people can come and do cool shit that they believe in and want to be doing, mm. and that mm-hmm. like and not like and like, you know, I don't have to worry about advertisers. I don't have to worry about you know, uh, arena net getting pissy. <laughs> like if someone wants to start shit with a piece like I can swoop in and be like no fuck you don't start shit with my writers yeah <laughs> because I'm not gonna be some whiny bitch who's cowed by alt-right redditors yeah I'm just getting all kinds of stuff <laughs> on this podcast today yeah alright um, I think that's all the questions I have did anyone else have anything they haven't had a chance to say yet? No. Nope. No? Mm-hmm. Oh. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dia, for coming on and talking about your awesome new... What was the word we agreed on again? Journal? Yep, there we go. <laughs> yes, journal. Yeah. <laughs> thank you um, so much. Uh, Want to just plug uh, Capsule Critter, anything else, and where people can find you? Yeah, it's, um, you can find the journal at Capsule Crit all one word, dot com. And um, you can find that on Twitter at Capsule Crit. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Dia, D I A, Lacina, L A C I N A. Yeah. Awesome. That's where the Dark Soul thread is. It's good. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's Lots getting. Of pictures of stairwells. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting extensive. Um, <laughs> Riley, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at. Clary, uh, with an underscore, it's K-A-L-E-R-I with an underscore. And you can find me on Twitter at Josila underscore or on YouTube where my channels cannot be tamed. And I just finished my entire top 100 games of all time list. Yay! I know. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Took like 14 months, 15 months. I'm pretty slow at <laughs> I, I'm like I'm like three <laughs> behind now, so I still have to catch up, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> They're all in the handy playlist, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's it. If you've got any feedback or questions for us, you can always read out, reach out at mediamavenscast at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter at underscore mediamavens. There's also a forum for discussion of any of our episodes at cartridgeclub.org. And if you like the show, please leave us a review. We haven't gotten a new one in a while. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. 